where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. What a joy it is to hear voices other than mine and Parker's. I know he's nodding, and it's not an insult. He's got a beautiful voice. But it is, it is a gift. And throughout this last year, I mean, most of the voices I've been hearing have been on a computer or on TV. I think I've watched more TV in this last year than I have in the last five years, and I'm getting a lot of nods here. I mean, you know, binge watching is the thing, and especially when the weather isn't nice. I mean, I'd much rather be outside playing or walking or doing something. And so I was so desperate that, you know, we even signed up for this Acorn TV and started watching Australian TV shows. Now, you know I don't have the best hearing in the world, so it took several episodes to get an ear for the accent. And we went from one to another to another. And I really landed on this legal show, and I loved it. I mean, I, in another life, maybe I was or would like to be an attorney. Who knows? But I love those kinds of shows. And I was really captivated by the Australian TV where the barristers uh, wore gowns and wigs. And that practice of gowns still holds to this day in this country, but the practice of gowns and wigs is a practice that distances the personal and the professional. Because if you were acting in the capacity of a barrister, and someone that you knew was on the other side, you would want that to be clear, like, this is my professional self. We can still be friends. I can still be your neighbor. Uh, so they, they, they continue to wear these garments. And clothing is an important practice of how we present ourselves. I love, one of the things I love about this community is that on any given Sunday, there's someone wearing a dress and there's someone wearing a suit and there's someone wearing shorts and there's someone wearing sneakers and sometimes a person in the suit is a person wearing sneakers and it's okay. It just is. Clothing can serve as an indication of social standing or a profession or it can just be a statement of who we are and where we are in life. Now, clothing changed in the pandemic. You've probably heard of the Zoom mullet. Have you heard of that? Yeah, it's business on top, pajamas on the bottom, or sweatpants. And if you're wondering why my thoughts are focused on clothing, I mean, you'll understand after you hear this morning's scripture. It's a letter that's addressed to the community of Colossians. And Colossae is a small city in Asia Minor, just to give you a place on the map. And this portion of the letter uses clothing in a way that goes beyond fashion and appearance and even professionalism. It speaks to the heart of what it means to be a community of Christ. The passage would serve well as a clever answer to the question about a dress code 
for a church. And I hope I remember that next time somebody asks me because the question comes up. So let's listen to this dress code for a church. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you have against one another. Forgive as you have been forgiven. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. That's chapter 3 if you want to go back to it this week. In the Gospel of Luke, there's also a reference to clothing. It's at the very end of the resurrection stories. And Jesus says, I am sending upon you what my Father, which for him was my God, promised. His word for God was Father. So I'm sending upon you what my Father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with the power from above. Clothed with the power of the Holy Spirit. And how might you know if you are clothed with the power of the Holy Spirit? Remember, clothing yourself in these instances in Scripture is a very practical way of addressing how we relate to one another. So clothing yourself is a statement about your capacity for compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with and forgiving. And over all of these things, the letter says, put on love. It's almost as if love is the outer garment that holds everything else in place. So what is love? Well, 1 Corinthians 13, right? Love is patient, love is kind, Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Now you notice in that list, There are some things, there are some not things, and there are some thing things. (laughs) So these lists, which were common in the day of the Apostle Paul, were part of the moralist tradition, where community instructions were shared in terms of avoiding vices and pursuing virtues. So not this, but this. You've seen this, but try this instead. I guess that's just a nice way of saying we know all this exists. Which one are you going to clothe yourself in? So what other lists come to mind for you? I 
I've been kind of surprised now that we're homeowners in Colorado. How long the list is for the HOA? That's a list, let me tell you. In this tradition, the biblical tradition of these lists, the beginning and the end are typically the most important. I guess there was some kind of ancient understanding that you sort of skim, right? You might get the first one, and you try to get the last one, and the other ones you just sort of go through it kind of fast. And today's reading takes that tradition one step further, ending with, over all these virtues put on love. Over all or above all, all the virtues working together to produce love, that outer garment, if you will. And these lists and the letters in general were designed to encourage and build up the communities that were growing and spreading throughout a large region. They provided instruction and parameters that were designed for the health and harmony within the early church. And still for us today, those lists are challenging and they're important. They serve as a foundation for early church standards and aspirations, believed to be inspired by the Holy Spirit. And I can see that, can you? Each one of these standards and aspirations, it's important to notice that they're relational. They're relational and they speak to the challenges that exist when two or more are gathered and practicing what it means to be Christ in the world. Now for those who have a very strong interior life, two or more can be held within the same person. I get that. But these are intended to be our social, our relational lists. The first letter to the Corinthians, still in the 13th chapter, says that the absence of love is like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And that's important because you can hear the difference. Consider these two statements from athletes who were asked about um, their victory. One says, I was amazing. You know, I really, I just, I stayed focused and I just, you know, did anything I had to do to just stay ahead of the other competitors. And then this one from my favorite golfer who's not doing very well this year, Zach Johnson. He was asked this question, how happy were you when you saw fill in the blank, miss the putt? I can't remember the name of the guy that missed the putt. But his response was, well, you know, you hate to see a guy miss. Because any athlete, any person knows that we are all capable of missing those putts. <laughs> Some of us more capable than others. Where else do you hear the difference between the absence of love and speaking with love? Where have you heard it? It just hits you like the wrong note. That doesn't sound right. Something's off. 
Now, the language around these values can change with time. Because now, you know, when we come to these lists now, we have to... um, we have to accommodate the fact that we all have the capacity for an online life. I mean, there's nothing in the Bible that talks about text messaging and Facebook, or even a telephone for that matter. So you don't even have to be online to understand this. That language around it can change, but the core remains the same, compassion, which is kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience all wrapped up into one. And love, bearing with and forgiving, it never ends. You know, when I hear that phrase, love never ends, I always thought that when, because it's used a lot in funerals, that when people die, the love we share continues. And I do believe that's true. But in looking at it in this context this week, love never ends means You can't say you've gotten to the end of your capacity to love. You must continue to love. And having said that, let's remember that sometimes the best way to love someone is from a distance. And to not put your livelihood in their hands that are not capable at the moment. So love doesn't always mean that you, let's just say, share a home or spend time together. Sometimes love means, I love you so much I'm gonna stay away from you because really what I wanna say to you is not loving. I guess, sometimes compassion and love and everything in between can feel a little bit like a uniform. And that's okay. You know, team, we understand the concept of teams. But if these virtues are new to you, or if you learn them a different way, the uniform might feel like a costume. So it might feel a little disingenuous because it hasn't been integrated yet. But stay with it, because these virtues are always on a learning curve. This is part of the still learning, always learning reality of what it means to be a community of Christ and to be a church. And so we say, keep practicing and intentionally practice until it feels like your favorite garment, one that really fits who you are. With gratitude to Mark Mullet and Lynette Moyer, who are part of the Pastoral Relations Committee. And if you're not familiar with that phrase, Pastoral Relations Committee, that's a committee that is uh, charged with keeping an eye on the health and well-being and harmony of our congregation. And friends, I've, as like you, I've been a part of many church communities. And I would say this is a very harmonious congregation. This is a congregation that knows how to relate well. That doesn't mean we don't miss some putts once in a while, but missing a putt is not the end of the game. Missing a putt is just an opportunity to say, I missed a putt. And so in the scheme of things, um, 
the health and harmony of this congregation is very positive and we're still learning. So Mark Mullet and Lynette Moyer have created a new document that's intended as a guide to help support the health and harmony of our community because sometimes things happen and we're not quite sure what to do. And that's just true in any group of people and historically over time. And so with this passage from Colossians as the foundation, uh, Mark and Lynette worked carefully with language to create a community covenant. And the community covenant has been shared broadly electronically. And we're going to offer some time this morning for you to sit with our list, our list of 10 statements. Now, this was not constructed in the biblical model of the most important first, the last important, second most important last, and just skim everything in between. Take some time with each one to sit with our list, and music will be our companion as we sit. For those who are here in the sanctuary, that list was included in your bulletin. And with music as a companion and also an example of what harmony sounds like. The word harmony in Greek is harmonia, which means a concord of sounds that are pleasing and that are working together in agreement. And as you read and as you contemplate and as you make room for the Spirit, may it be so.